Good evening, everybody. I am so excited tonight. I am here with Trans Americana and Run Every Street star. It's none other than Ricky Gates. Woo! Hey, Ricky, how you doing? Hi, great to be here. Thanks, Claire. <laughs> it's lovely to see you again. I think the last time I saw you was a couple of years ago in the Lake District when you came down to do a salmon thing, and Killian and Emily and Max King and 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 everyone was there. I think. Yeah, that was it. Was a lot of fun, uh, not just going back to the Lake District, but hanging out with a bunch of uh, my Solomon teammates and and also seeing some familiar faces uh, from my previous trip uh, to the UK a couple years before that. Yeah, because you did the Bob Graham round, didn't you, with Scott Jorek? Yep, kind of on a on a whim. <laughs> uh, it's not the sort of thing that we would have been able to do without the help of a lot of people, uh, including yourself, uh, but yeah, it was a really magical experience uh, to be able to to get around that thing uh, in 23 hours and 48 minutes, uh, yeah. so just uh, by the skin of our teeth. Yeah, I just remember it was just such nice weather for you on that particular day. Um, when I joined you, I just remember the moon was out and we didn't even need to use our head torches over Great Gable and Kirk Fell and all that kind of leg four. So yeah, it was just, you had such a, a perfect sort of time there. I was so jealous. <laughs> I, th I think uh, some some of the the English folk actually got a sunburn. Oh yeah, probably, probably me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not used to the sun. <laughs> like, what is that giant orb in the sky? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, I'm so excited that you're on tonight. Thank you so much for your time. Um, but we've got some super fans of yours in my audience, and some people who um, haven't seen the films yet. So um, this is great, and we'll tell them all about your book as well. Um, so I just want to read you some nice comments that people have said. Um, so we've got Guy Greaterx, who's like the massivest fan of yours. He says. Thanks for getting Ricky on. He's my favorite pro athlete. I like how he's a bit different and he does a lot of exploring with his running. Mm, that's very kind. Thanks, Guy. <laughs> and then we've got Nigel, who has your book. Um, uh, I think he has Cross Country, the one about Transamericana. Um, and he said, I thoroughly enjoyed it and also the film. Cool. <laughs> Um, and then John Gardner says, everyone should watch Ricky's video, Trans Americana, on Salomon TV in YouTube. It is remarkable and the best way to introduce yourself to the phenomenon that is Ricky Gates. <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> so you've got some good fans there. Um, and watching live, we've got a ton of people already. Um, Kurt Steed is here. John Gardner's actually here as well. We've got John Airy, who's got a question for you later. Adrian Orange as well. Paul Hamilton, he's got a question for you as well. Flo Maskell says she's really excited for this one. Um, Kurt Steed says this should be really amazing. Um, Peter Krauthalf is here as well, watching from Vienna. Uh, Nigel Barnett is here as well. He's got a question for you. Philip Haddock, we've got tons of people tonight. Sue Marsh. Um, uh, Sue Marsh says, I love that Ricky and Scott Jurek did the Bob Graham on a whim. <laughs> <laughs> Um, fantastic. So that's um, quite a few people watching tonight. I can't read out everybody, but if you have got a question for Ricky on the live, then do send it in. We've got tons of questions um, for you, though, and I just wanted to start with one from John Gardner, if that's okay. Um, he says, Ricky's ability to relentlessly endure and drive himself across weeks and months of pain and solitude and sacrifice is legendary. Um, can he share some of the values that motivate him? Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, um, 
I, the, the values that motivate me certainly increased when I was going across the country, but uh, I think in large part, uh, you, you know, you have to sort of experience solitude to the extent that it's not fun, and then it's fun again um, at some point in your life. And I think us as, as runners and ultra runners, we oftentimes uh, uh, experience that in a very compact setting. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing once you've experienced it, uh, you've been on your own for a little while and then, and then some people, uh, join you, you, you have this kind of mixed feeling of, oh, it's so nice to see you. Um, <laughs> but, uh, would you please stop talking? I was enjoying the silence. <laughs> um, yeah. so yeah, I don't know if it's, uh, if I've got too much to share in terms of like values, but I think that we as ultra runners are already working on it to begin with and to just focus in on it and pay attention to those moments and and know that we can get them in a five mile run just as much as we can get them in a five month long run. The the, the depth of it in a five month long is, is certainly much deeper, much more profound, um, but uh, no less important. Yeah, that's nice how you say that because I know not everybody can really take the time off work to do like a month, well even a two week run sometimes. Um, so yeah, it's nice that you can get it from lots of different distances. Um, and um, and it's interesting that your the two films that you have just um, that you've made the Trans Americana one and the Run Every Street one where you run every street in San Francisco. Um, Guy Greatrex is keen to know um, in in these this couple of films especially you've, you've focused on the people um, that you meet rather than your actual journey as well. And he was just wondering why you decided to to take this angle. Um, I mean the yeah the depth of uh, material when it comes to people is infinite um, and to me you know learning about myself is is so personal and I, and I think that it uh, it can be translated to other people um, but what I learn about other people I think is the most important thing right now certainly at this time um, we're obviously going through uh, a lot of divide in America and I think that can also be said uh, for for Great Britain as well, um, and how both social media and media and just the the way that we started to communicate over the past ten or twenty years has altered our interactions with people so much that uh, I just think that it's it's not just important but it's imperative that we have conversations with people that we disagree with. And I found that with running, um, you know, just being on your feet and being approachable and being humble, uh, we're really in, in possibly the best position to have these conversations with other people. Um, and so for me, it's, it's certainly a little bit of a stretch. I'm, I'm uh, possibly contrary to popular opinion. I'm, I'm actually really quite shy. Um, I don't uh, always uh, like having conversations with total strangers. Um, but then when you get out there on the road and people see that you're doing something different and strange, um, they want to talk to you. And, and that in large part is, is such a huge part about breaking down that barrier, that shyness barrier and that barrier of, of, of talking to people that you might disagree with. 
Yeah, and there were so many people that wanted to talk to you on that trip, wasn't there? And it's just, it's not every day that you see somebody like running through with a big pack on and, and they were just like, what on earth is this guy doing? Yeah. <laughs> and I noticed that quite a few people gave you some money as well. Um, and um, uh, you, uh, Guy Greatrex, um, he had a look at what happened to that money and he says, I hear that, that you gave all the money that you got given on that trip to people um, less fortunate than you. Um, and he just wanted to say to you what a lovely inspirational thing to do. Did you give it to a charity or something or how did you dole it out? I was giving it to people uh, along the way. Um, oh, okay. You know, that were maybe on the street uh, asking for money or people that clearly needed it somehow. Um, I was very careful when I, when I did give them that money to specify that it wasn't from me. Okay. Um, because that it wasn't my, my money. It was just uh, I was just the vehicle through which it was passing. Yeah, just uh, passing so, it forward. Yeah, and so I I think there was Jim Steele in there who gave me a hundred and eighty dollars. Was he the guy I on think, on the car? Like he was at the car. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah with the yeah. frog on his shirt. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, I was just yeah. like, wow. But I don't know if that would happen in Britain. Like I've done runs around places before, like long stuff for many days, and and no one really gives you money. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Is that an yeah. American thing? Do you think? <laughs> Um, I don't know if it's an American thing or like more specifically in the South. That's where I experience the most amount of generosity. Wow. Um, I think they're a people that are generally uh, pretty accustomed to looking after one another. Uh -huh. um, the further you get out west in the United States, um, the, the less that's the case. And, and I don't think it's because people are unkind. It's just that it's, a, it's sort of a different mentality. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, they did seem very generous down south, and that's really nice that you sort of like just carried it for a bit and then just gave it to the next person that you thought would benefit from it. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. Um, and we've just got a comment on the live here from Paul Hamilton who says, Ricky's comments are really resonating with me. Trail running definitely has an element of connecting um, with, your, with the environment and everything there, and it's incredibly uplifting. Mm -hmm. Um, and Sue Marsh, um, she is um, wanting to know a little bit about the political climate now. <laughs> I don't know, don't know if this is a topic for a light Wednesday evening chat. Uh, but Sue Marsh says, Ricky says one of the reasons for his Transamericana run was the political climate in 2016. How is he handling the climate and the divisiveness that we're dealing with now in 2020? Um, it's, that's a great question. Uh, like, obviously, it's as important or more important now this this topic of, of divisiveness and <clears throat> us living in our bubbles. Um, kind of what I'm thinking about uh, from my run is uh, to keep in mind that no matter which way this election goes in in 20 days from now uh, here in the United States, that there's going to be people on one side or people on the other side that are very unhappy with how things have gone, with how things have turned, and that it's important no matter which side you're on to keep that in mind. Um, so I don't plan uh, on running across the country again uh, next month after the election. <laughs> to find out. Uh, <laughs> election yeah, report, it, Ricky Gates. <laughs> totally. Um, but it is extremely important for me to, to keep in mind that, um, you know, this this climate, this climate has been created where there's this dis divisiveness, and um, if I'm really happy with the election, there's going to be a lot of people that are very unhappy with the election, and then vice versa. And to to make sure to keep those people in my thoughts, and to also 
uh, continue to engage in conversation with them afterwards. Yeah, yeah, I totally understand how in on social media you just get surrounded by this bubble of everyone who agrees with you and then when you come across somebody who doesn't and thinks completely opposite to you but thinks they're completely right in the same way you do, it's just, it's incendiary isn't it, rather than um, no and one's having a, conversation. It's a, it's a click away to make that uh, voice go away. Mm, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it's I think it's really noble what you've done. Like I'm kind of more impressed by that side of it than your three thousand seven hundred miles that you clocked up. Like, um, mm -hmm. I just think that there's yeah more to it than that, and yeah, it, it really spoke to me that. So I thought it was great. Um, and just getting back to the running, actually, um, we have three people called John asking questions tonight um, from my patrons who are my loyal subscribers. They get like priority asking questions to our amazing guests like you, Ricky. Um, so we've got a John, John G, John K, and John A asking questions tonight. So this is John K, John Kiniston. Um, he says, really looking forward to this one. When Ricky is on a long and lonely run, what does he think about? Like, is he focused on the present um, and the run itself, or does he like to daydream and allow his mind to wander? Um, I, I kind of both, really. I think <laughs> the ultimate goal with running, the running high, is that we're not thinking at all, that we're just doing. Um, for, for anyone in the running world that's experienced that, that's uh, certainly one of the main reasons that we keep returning to running is to, uh, to keep experiencing that running high. Um, but that's just, uh, you know, that's such a small part of running. It's you know, maybe 5% of it um, and certainly a wonderful carrot for us to have out in front of us to, uh, uh, to strive for. Um, but yeah, I, I, I sometimes daydream, I sometimes listen to podcasts, I sometimes listen to music. Um, really whatever it takes uh, to keep going at it and, and uh, you know, down the, I, I think that it's uh, um, a, a constant uh, drive uh, to, to keep moving towards that um, place in running where you're not actually thinking about anything. Um, but uh, yeah, it requires work. It's yeah, a it's a lifetime achievement goal. <laughs> yeah, like a sort of zen state where you're just kind of like trogging along, and minutes could by go by, hours could go by, and you're just running. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, compare, like you've just said, you like to listen to some music and some podcasts, but then on the Run Every Street film, you said you weren't listening to any podcasts, you weren't listening to any music, partly because you had all that navigation challenge, but you wanted to really immerse yourself um, in in the run. Um, was that something new for you, or did you do you always do that when you city run? Um. Yeah, not always. It depends on the city. Um, San Francisco is such a busy place, and and you're coming across an intersection every single block. For on that trip, it was 1,300 miles. Um, so it is so important to be paying attention. Um, but then there's I'm doing the same project here in Santa Fe, New Mexico, where I'm living now, and the, some of the streets here are a mile long. Uh, where you don't really encounter anything, and, and for me, it's okay to, to kind of plug back in and and uh, and listen to something. You know, it's I'm I'm by no means opposed to listening to music or podcasts out on runs, and and, and it's actually kind of an amazing thing where um, oftentimes I'll I'll pass by a place where I've run, whether in a car or running again, and uh, a song will come into my head based 
purely on uh, having listened to that song when I was passing by there again. Or if I listen to a podcast for a second time, um, sometime during that podcast, I'm transformed back into that place where I was at that moment. So um, yeah. it's amazing. Uh, there's there's a, a word for that. I'm not sure what it is. Mm. Synesthesia or something like that. Oh, but uh, yeah. um, how, how your senses can kind of get mixed up uh, as a result of your experience. Yeah, and I totally know what you mean. Not necessarily through the running side of that, but I'm doing a lot of DIY on our house at the moment, and I listen to podcasts just to sort of make it less boring. And so certain times I'll look at, like I've been painting the ceiling, and certain times I'll look up at the ceiling and I'll be like, ah, the history of chocolate, because I was listening to a podcast on the history of chocolate, so I know what you mean there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, and Paul Barton actually on the live chat he says um, what podcast does Ricky listen to um, has he got any recommendations um, I I listen to uh, none of them are running related I listen to Reply All uh, has oh. been my favorite lately and that one's about uh, kind of the internet and the the the, the, the digital world that we uh, more or less live in these days uh-huh. um, I listen to a uh, relationship podcast uh, called The Endless Honeymoon, uh, which my wife uh, found and put me on to. It's uh, a couple of comedians that are married to each other, and, and uh, they make fun of each other, and they make fun of all of their callers. Um, and, then, uh, and then I listen to a bunch of uh, short story podcasts, which are uh, fun to listen to if you're working on... Uh, on uh, on something that requires your full attention, I don't recommend it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the short stories are so much more dense than podcasts. Yeah, yeah. That sounds really cool. I, I know what you mean. I don't really listen to running podcasts. Like, I'll put this out as a podcast afterwards because some people, they don't have time to watch like an hour or so on YouTube and they like to watch it. They like to listen to it on their run at the weekend. So I do make this into a podcast, but I know what you mean. Like, as a runner, I, everything I do is like running, 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 work is running. And then for my podcast, I like the comedy, I like the stories. Um, yeah, uh, I actually like uh, science stuff as well, like uh, how stuff works and all that so yeah I totally get you on that one um, and um, just looking to see if there was another question there oh yeah Kurt Steech has posted many questions which I'll come to in a second um, but first of all um, we've got another question from Guy um, who wants to know about the the part in Transamericana when um, you ran to your home um, and then you had to leave and carry on the rest of the journey and he just wants to know how hard that was because he says he would have found that really hard to leave <laughs> yeah I uh, I spent three days at home uh, in Colorado I think if I'd have spent four days there I probably wouldn't have left um, <laughs> yeah it was it was certainly wonderful but also a challenge uh, to, to do that it, but it was uh, yeah, I don't know. It was great. It really recharged me uh, to see so many friends and my family, and to sleep in a bed for a few days, and uh, and to just kind of turn my brain off a little bit. Uh, but there's no doubt about it. It was not easy getting back on the road. Luckily, um, leaving Aspen, Colorado, you have uh, 30 or 50 incredible mountain miles to get through, uh, which for me are not daunting at all. They're really beautiful and wonderful. 
Um, but then, of course, after that, you go right into the desert, and, and I really just didn't even want to think about what the desert had in store for me. So, yeah, uh, yeah there's a certain level of uh, putting blinders on in, uh, in order to, to make it through certain things. Yeah, and um, and it's, uh, it's interesting that you've just mentioned the desert there because we've got a couple of questions on um, how you were ill in the desert, um, and uh, like what was it like um, when you found yourself losing all that weight and getting ill? Uh, did you ever think I might, you might have to end the adventure and actually seek medical help at that point? I didn't ever think that I was going to have to end the adventure, but I did think that possibly I would have to go into the hospital and put the put it on hold for a second. Um, yeah, it was scary. There's no doubt about it. When you're pushing your body that hard for so many months, and I mean, I I was down to the weight uh, that I was when I was like 16 years old. Oh wow! Um, I, haven't been, I haven't been that skinny since since uh, I was turning going through puberty. Yeah. And so uh, yeah, you you look at uh, down at your knees, and you've just got these big uh, oversized <laughs> knees. And, and you're losing all of your muscle mass. It's there's no doubt about it that it's very scary. And and that had occurred to me, you know, how far am I from the hospital right now? Um, and then like if I go to the hospital, how long am I going to stay there? And obviously they're going to tell me that it's not a good idea to keep running. Um, but I I'm fortunate to have uh, my best friend from growing up is an ER doctor, and oh, wow. uh, he would answer my call at any time of day or night and. I'd just explain to him what's going on, and he would uh, ask me to check my kidneys, uh, push around in there, and I would ask him where are my kidneys. <laughs> and, uh, so where, where, uh, where are they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, um, so yeah, it was it was a little bit scary, but uh, I did feel like I had uh, I had it in control. Yes. Oh, good. And and then how did you overcome that calorie deficit afterwards? Um, did you then just have to eat tons more? Like, what did you do to stay energetic for the rest of the run? Uh, it was a very long process getting my body back uh, back to where it was, or at least to a, a good physical point. It, it took me a couple weeks, um, but I was not just dealing with uh, with like an old like flu-like symptoms. I was dealing with indigestion, and I was dealing with being blood. Um, with the, the the indigestion that I was experiencing, um, I re learned that if I ate a big meal, that I I, I would throw it up. Um, oh, but if man. I ate small things at a time, and this was going on for weeks, but if I ate small things at a time, and took some water in my mouth and chewed slowly, and and then let it go down, um, then I it, it would digest. And so it was. I would. I was kind of eating all day long, but just like one bite at a time, mm -hmm. uh, and and of course moving all throughout. So, uh, yeah, learning experience that I don't know if I need to uh, go through again, but certainly enlightening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good that you worked that out as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, and um, and you just actually showed me some food uh, before. But John Airy, um, he wants to know what you generally eat for energy. Um, I don't know. That probably means like in day to day life, and then probably on the run as well. Like what types of food are you eating? And I know earlier you showed me a, a huge mountain of vegetables that you just got from your friend. That looked really nice. Yeah, so in, in my day-to-day -day life, uh, my wife and I, we eat pretty uh, healthy. Um, we, we don't eat too much meat, but we do eat some. 
vegetables and, and uh, pretty much the same thing for breakfast every day, one or two eggs and a piece of toast and some coffee. Um, but when on my run across the country, all of that got thrown out the window. I, I ate very, very unhealthy uh, <laughs> because I was just relying on gas stations, uh, you know, gas station to gas station. So for me, that meant Pop-Tarts and Slim Jims and the little rolly hot dogs that you see in The Simpsons and um, really anything that would uh, that would keep in my backpack for, for 24 hours um, and anything, yeah, it's, the thing about when you're doing that many miles uh, at a time, day in and day out, I, I truly believe that you can eat almost anything, that, that you can throw your normal health food uh, tactics out the window and, and, uh, and just concentrate on pure energy. Yeah, your body will just use whatever it gets given, won't it, just straight away? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and did you have any other injuries apart from that illness that you got in the desert? Um, did, did you have any other kind of physical injuries? Um, I have a, a, an ankle that I've twisted a, a million times over the years. I've been running for 25 years at this point, and uh, that ankle uh, started off uh, hurting a little bit at the beginning, and then I had like three pain-free months there. And then as I was going through the desert and approaching California, it started to bother me again. And then the, the last uh, couple hundred miles were immensely painful. And it was just really my body saying, like, you know, you're, you're done. Like, take, take a break. And so I just had to make it to the end and, and get off my feet for a little bit. But other than that, and uh, kind of a, a constant supply of blisters, uh, I, my body did pretty well. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing what the body can do, isn't it, over such a sustained period of time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and also, um, we've got a person, uh, Nigel Barnett, he's read your book, um, and he says you've got a double page in there showing the, all the discarded syringes that you saw on your journey. Um, did you put this in your book to highlight drug abuse in the world today, or, or what made you collect them all together and, and do that photo of them? Yeah, um, I mean, it's uh, those syringes uh, can be interpreted as drug abuse. I think it's more along the line of diabetics, okay. uh, based on where I was finding them. Mm -hmm. uh, but more so that, you know, it it more so highlighted that uh, I just when when you're out there on the road for, for so many miles, um, you become really really interested in the the trash alongside the road. <laughs> and in order to keep yourself entertained, you start kind of categorizing the types of trash. And so, like, every time I found a dead animal, I took a picture of it. Every time I saw a needle, I would take a picture of it. You know, bottles by the side of the road or whatever it might be. Just, it's a constant so form of entertainment. But there's no doubt that, uh, you know, that part of it, the, the, whether it's drug abuse or diabetes, um, is something uh, that... I think that we need to look at, um, and it's and it's a way to look at it because uh, in my head, uh, I, I was calling the series "Throw Your Vices Out the Window," mm. and in my head, it's like you know you've got this problem, uh, whether it's drinking and driving or you know injecting a needle into your arm while driving, um, but then you throw it out the window. It's like where did the problem go? It's like, but I'm I'm there to see it. I'm, I'm aware of it. 
Yeah, that's a really interesting way of looking at it. And I like that on your Instagram, you've got loads of those little bottles all kind of like stacked and, and sorted and you know, the little drinks bottles. Um, people have obviously been drink driving, which is worrying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you'll have to create a book of just all the pictures in future because it sounds yeah. like, yeah, because you, you do a lot of photography as well, don't you? You're a photographer. Yeah, photographer and writer. I studied both of those in college and uh, kind of fell in love with them in high school. Um, and then uh, very fortunate to, to have the medium of, of running right now to, uh, to really employ those two tools of writing and photography to translate what it is that I ex see and experience out in the world into a larger audience. Mm. So it's, it's been fun and, and I hope to run and write and take pictures uh, for the rest of my life. Mm, awesome. And if anybody um, is interested in, well obviously you will be interested in watching and looking at what Ricky does then, do head to his website. Is it is rickygates.com, is that right? Yeah. yeah, I spell my name with the with an E Y R I C K E Y. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so definitely head there, um, and also the links to the book Cross Country and um, the film Transamericana and also Run Every Street are in the shop podcast show notes and also in the film description. So everybody check those out. Um, and I'm just wondering now um, how many shoes you wore. Um, over that whole journey, that 3,700 miles, how many shoes did you go through? And was it similar to what you went through um, when you did the Run Every Street one? I went through 11 pairs of shoes when I went across the country. So wow. that's about three, three to 400 miles per pair of shoes, which was uh, for the mileage that I was doing, it was every two weeks I'd, I'd switch out a pair of shoes. Um, my brother had the entire collection of shoes with him in Colorado, and I would let him know. I don't know if you have the same thing in the UK, but I would let him know uh, which town I would be going through in a couple weeks, and he would box the shoes up and send it to the post office there. And I would go there and just show them my ID, and they would give me my box. Um, and I think probably for the uh, San Francisco Streets project, it was very similar, probably three to 400 miles per pair of shoes. Yeah, cool. Um, and, um, and Kurt Steed is interested to know what you, um, what you make of the new Salomon Sustainable Shoe Project. Um, yeah, he says other companies have had stuff like that, like Allbirds and Adidas, but yeah, um, what are your thoughts on the Salomon one? Yeah, it's it's a super cool idea. Um, I mean, I can I've been with Solomon now for over a decade, and um, they come up with a lot of really interesting ideas, and it's it's exciting to see uh, what what becomes of them. Um, you know, it's they're a super innovative company. Um, for every five ideas they come up with, they throw two or three of them out the window, um, and so it's uh, it'll it'll be interesting to to see what becomes of it. Uh, I think it's an incredibly innovative and, uh, and and it helps the consumer feel better about uh, going through 11 pairs of shoes in, in a short period of time. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, and, um, and Kurt also wants to know about, um, he, he says like lots of people are doing FKTs at the moment and he says although that your cross-country Transamericana journey wasn't about the speed, um, do you think that you will attempt any FKTs um, personally in the future? Is that sort of where your kind of inspiration lies at all? 
Um, possibly not the FKT portion of it, but the trails that uh, are the most interesting for FKTs. Um, so the, the reason, at least here in the States, that FKTs have initially gained popularity is because they are on trails where there's never going to be a race. They're in the wilderness or they're in national parks mm -hmm. and legally you can't have a race on those trails. Um, I have a project that I've been working on for a couple years and it'll probably take a couple more years to complete called the 50 Classic Trails of, of North America. Mm -hmm. And every one of those trails uh, has an established FKT on them because they are uh, so, so beautiful, so important, and uh, they're worth spending a, a day out there uh, doing, much like the Bob Graham round, you know? Yeah. Oh, so you're working your way through those, are you? Yeah. Yeah. And are you filming that as you go as well? Will we be able to see a film in a few years' time? Yep. Yeah. Filming and, and photographing, so. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a project that takes, uh, yeah, it's, it's a different challenge because uh, it is so fractured. Um, and so I pick it up where I can and, and, uh, and take it on. But uh, but yeah, that's the idea. Ah, and you're not doing those for the specific times. You're just going and going. Ah, oh, this is a beautiful place, and here's a picture of it, and and documenting. I mean, I would have to do it twice if I were to do it for a mm. time and uh, to capture the the beauty of it. And uh, I don't doubt that some of them I'll do twice, but uh, many of them I'll just do the single time. Yeah, yeah, that sounds really cool. And I often think as well, if a place is really beautiful, why would you want to run through it so quickly that you get a fast time on it? You're not going to see anything, yeah. are you? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and Kurt also wants to know, um, are you going to be supporting any others, um, like you did with Dylan Bowman on the Lost Coast? Um, and he's put in brackets, more belt buckles to make. But I don't know what that means because I haven't seen that one. <laughs> yeah. So uh, part of my FKT project is that I uh, came up with these belt buckles that uh, kind of like the heavyweight champion of the world. You, you know, there's supposedly only one belt buckle and, and it can only be held by one person. Um, so I had these belt buckles uh, made up for several of the trails um, that uh, kind of commemorated whoever had the FKT at the moment. Um, and so hopefully uh, down the road I can I can do something like that and make it more inclusive as well. So if you do, they do the, the Lost Coast Trail in, in, uh, in California, um, if you complete that in under 24 hours, then you, you've earned the, the right to own one of these belt buckles. Mm. Uh, but it's, it's just kind of uh, an idea in my head right now, so we'll see. Oh, cool. That sounds really awesome. It's nice to open it up to everybody else and, and give them sort of like a prize for doing stuff, isn't it? Yeah. yeah it's awesome. And so um, I just wondered if you've got any tips for people on um, making their own adventures, because you seem so good with coming up with these ideas, these like really um, incredible creative ideas, um, planning them, logistics. Um, how does it all work? Like, how do you even start to choose an adventure? Like, how, how do you know what it should be? Have you got any tips? Um, I don't know. I think that a lot of us have ideas for adventures and then they, uh, you know, whatever, logistics or whatever it is, kind of get in the way or, or life gets in the way. Um, but oftentimes these, these ideas that I have happen like just in a flash like that. And, and, and I think that it's super important for all of us when we recognize one of these ideas uh, to at least write it down and start talking to people about it. 
I think that it can be kind of scary to talk to people about uh, these crazy ideas that you have because you feel like maybe you're committed to it or uh, or for whatever reason, you know. But um, yeah, I, I can say w with certainty that running every street in San Francisco, the idea came to me at like 11 o'clock at night when I was drinking with a bunch of friends. And, and then, the, you know, that, that part's easy. Um, following through with it is the hard part, but really uh, allowing yourself to become obsessed with it, I think is, I, I highly encourage that. You know, yeah. the, the planning of these things can be just as much fun as, as the thing itself. Yes, yeah, I saw um, in the film it was really nice the way the, um, the streets, um, there was an animation of the, like, running, like, along all the streets and it was just, um, yeah, really illustrated how many streets there were to run around in San Francisco. Um, are you thinking of running around every street in New Mexico as well? Uh, I have started on Santa Fe. So Santa Fe, I started about a year ago and uh, it's about seven or eight hundred miles. It's uh, um, a new city to me. It's where my wife and I now live. Um, and with my experience from San Francisco, I just found that it's, it's one of, if not the best way to, to get to know a place in such a short period of time. Um, I'm gonna go running anyway, so I might as well make an adventure out of it. And this is out the back door or out the front door. And, and uh, and, it, and and another thing about it is that it really kind of um, sorry. Uh, another thing about it is that it kind of uh, it, it it gives me a certain ownership to the place. Yeah, and you feel like you know it, and that's yours. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It sounds awesome, and that's something that people can do in their own city or town, isn't it? Like I could run every street in Stanford. Like that's the map. That's Stanford behind me on my map. I could I could just go and run every street, and it wouldn't take me that long because it's not that big. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People are people are doing it around the world. I encourage uh, your viewers if they haven't seen it already to go onto Instagram and type in the hashtag every single street um, and and see the inspiration there. I also built a website for the project, everysinglestreet.com, and that highlights a couple of my projects and then a couple of other people's projects, and you can see a map of where people are taking it on around the world. Mm. Uh, it's pretty cool. I, I love it. Yeah, it's really cool to start off a bit of a trend, isn't it? Yeah. 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 R-E-S, <laughs> run every street. Um, and so just a few more tips really for people that like say they've got an idea, like maybe they're going to do your run every street franchise and take it to their own town. But um, have you got any advice on mental training um, or like the, the mental side of things? We've got a couple of, a couple of people interested in this as Paul and Nigel. Um, uh, so Nigel says, um, I like that Ricky runs for himself, not for medals. He obviously likes the endurance running. Um, does he do any preparation to keep himself mentally strong on those long runs? Like you can train your body, obviously, but like how do you train your mind? Yeah, I think just consistency. It's going to be different for every single person. Um, but if you're if you're just getting into running, um, I I like to tell people like just. You're not going to run a 220 marathon uh, next month or even next year. What's most important is that you're still running next year. And so if you're just getting into running, like setting yourself certain goals, 
Um, and, and I've always been a very goal-oriented person, and I, I don't think you necessarily have to be a goal-oriented person to, to be a successful runner, um, but you do have to take on certain uh, parameters and, and obligations in order to keep at it. Um, and so for me, telling a, a person that's just getting into running, like, make sure you go out running three days a week for 20 minutes. Like, that's it. That's your training routine. And, and then next month, make it four days a week for 30 minutes. And then after that, and then that's when you kind of realize that, like, oh, I, this is getting better. Like, consistency is 100% number one. And so uh, whatever that takes to convince yourself, to fool yourself into doing this thing uh, um, repetitive, repetitively and consistently. Yeah, so it sounds like you break it down into like small chunks as well. Yeah. Yeah, because um, Paul, um, Paul has asked this kind of, it's a slightly similar question, but I'll, I'll read it out anyway, just in case it, it provides any kind of new thoughts for you. He says, hi Ricky, as a newbie to ultra racing, I'm constantly warned that ultra racing is more of a mental battle than a distance battle. Um, how do you deal, well, how should he deal with the mental challenge that these ultras present? So yeah, like as a newcomer, do you have any advice for him? Yeah, just kind of the advice that I have for people that are getting into it is to not beat yourself up if you start walking. Mm. You know, I, th I think that uh, there's there can be a lot of shame in our sport. Like, if, if you're no longer running, then you're no longer a runner. And and, and that, that can't be further from the case. If, if that's the case, then, then let's call this a different sport. Let's just call it forward movement. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I think that's the, the biggest thing. So when, when you get so tired in a training run, in a long distance run, that uh, you don't think that you can go any further, like possibly you might be right in terms of running, so then you start walking. There's nothing wrong with that. And then you walk for five minutes or ten minutes, and then you're like, "Oh, I feel better again." And then you start running again. So, um, for me, the recipe is very simple, um, but it's it's just a matter of combating that uh, that notion uh, about running and, and how important it is to have two feet off the ground at the same time. It's not that important. We're just moving towards uh, consistent forward progress. Mm, yeah, I really like that phrase because I think a lot of people think that ultra runners are like these gods because they think they run all the time and they run, you know, at the pace that somebody would just run for 20 minutes and I think that's what puts people off and people don't realise that there is a lot of walking involved, especially up the hills. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, that's good to spell that out. <laughs> and um, and so if you could just say one thing to somebody who's like midway through like a big adventure like yours, um, what what's the kind of biggest uh, piece of advice that you'd give them um, based on your experience during these big long adventures? Uh, good job. That's it. <laughs> yeah, positive reaffirmation. Uh, it's it's really simple. It's uh, yeah. The, the, the worst uh, thing that you can say to someone uh, halfway through is, oh, you've got a long way to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, I, which I definitely received. But, uh, you know, at the beginning of the trip, even two days in, people were so excited that I was even trying to attempt this, um, this, this massive crossing across the United States. Uh, they were just so excited, and that excitement uh, really fueled me. So uh, 
that's that would be my advice yeah that's fantastic thank you so much for all this advice it's really cool um i just wanted to ask you a couple of questions um uh there's a couple of questions more um i noticed that you're now a member of protect our winters and i just wondered um if you want to just say a few words about that and what it means to you and and what it is yeah, so Protect Our Winters is a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization that's aimed towards getting uh, people to vote uh, specifically with climate change in mind. It was started by uh, a couple Olympic uh, wintertime athletes, um, and hence the name uh, Protect Our Winters, because the, the winters are getting shorter and they're moving up in altitude and uh, becoming more inconsistent. Um, but just really getting out uh, factual information about uh, climate change and allowing people to make informed decisions um, as with climate change as the number one topic. For me personally, I had felt um, a little bit hopeless and helpless in terms of what sort of change I can make in uh, the in the world uh, and during elections and all of that. Um, but uh, being a part of this program and, and having the muscle uh, to, to actually try and sway voters uh, and to get out the vote, um, that's, that's the most important thing to me. So it's, uh, it's been immensely helpful. Awesome. Yeah, it looks really awesome. I'll be looking into it more. Um, is it just um, in America or is it like a, a global organization? It's becoming global as we speak. I believe Killian Journey just joined Protect Our Winters uh, Europe. Um, and so it's, uh, yeah, obviously climate change isn't a United States uh, yeah. phenomenon. It's, <laughs> it's worldwide. And it's going to take the entire planet to, to be on this, this program to, to make the change needed to, to move forward. Yeah. I just, I just think it's so brilliant. Like some people are just about the running, but you're about more than the running. You're like about the whole thing. So it's just, it's nice and refreshing to talk about not just the running. So yeah, thanks yeah. for that. <laughs> it's cool. Um, and you did talk briefly, just one um, last question here before I read out some nice comments that people have put here on the chat for you. Um, you did mention briefly that you're gonna do your 50 trails um, and that's you know a project that's ongoing, gonna come out in a few years time. Um, but is there anything else on the horizon for you like um, short stuff long stuff um, what are you what are you up to yeah I have a, a project here in Santa Fe that's actually inspired by the Bob, Bob Graham round oh really um, oh cool yeah so it's a, a point-to-point -point run that I've kind of designed uh, in the mountains behind uh, Santa Fe through the Pecos wilderness wow. and just kind of trying to design a course uh, that hits uh, most of the, the tall peaks. Um, that would be a challenge for a strong runner uh, to, to do in under 24 hours. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the distance is 80 miles with about 24,000 vertical feet of climbing. Oh, so, wow. Uh, sort of similar to the Bob Graham round. Mm. Uh, and uh, I don't know, my, the year is getting on and I haven't done it yet. Uh, <laughs> I'd still like to do it uh, possibly before the end of the month. Oh, so that's, wow. That's a small project that I'm working on here. I'll continue with the Every Single Street project, uh, mm -hmm. which, which uh, lucky for me, doesn't really have a timeline. It's just something that I chip away at uh, as, as, I, uh, as I'm living here longer and longer. Um, 
and then continuing uh, with these uh, trips that I guide uh, throughout the U.S. and, and abroad. Uh, I've got uh, some hut-to-hut running trips yeah. that are uh, six days, five nights, and, and we do a point-to-point uh, location, and uh, vehicle carries all our stuff, so you can get away with uh, just running with our uh, our small uh, Solomon packs. Oh, they sound the great. Is that on your website? Yeah. Should people go there if they want to hook up with you and book one of those? Totally. Those are on my website, mm-hmm. and then I also have a trip that I call Bus Run Bus, which mm-hmm. is um, a bus trip and uh, utilizing this, this special bus that's been converted uh, into kind of a camper for a lot of up to 30 people. Wow. Uh, where everybody can sleep flat during the night. Cool. And last year we did uh, a 2,000 mile road trip uh, through four different states and three different national parks um, and had two bus drivers driving us in the night while we slept and we'd wake up in a different location uh, wow. every day and, and go for really cool runs. Wow, that uh, sounds awesome. I love that idea. Yeah. So yeah. it's uh, both of these, I'm, I'm in part uh, pitching these trips that I organize, but in part just kind of getting it out there that like part of what I love so much about running is sharing it with other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and is there a shower on the bus? No. No. Oh. <laughs> yeah. There's. We luckily we go to uh, places where there are streams, so I okay. encourage people to uh, jump in the stream. Yeah. But it, it, there's no doubt about it. The bus smells by the end of the trip. <laughs> Yeah, well, all the stuff, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all the shoes, <laughs> 11 pairs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, that's great. And and just going back to the thing that's based on the Bob Graham round, um, how many mountains? Are you going to do like 42 or, or something like that, like reminiscent of the Bob? It would be uh, here at 17 mountain, okay. mountain top. Yeah, yeah so it's pretty more, long. More along the lines of uh, the Ramsey round. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's the idea is to to hit the high points mm-hmm. uh, around an entire area. Yeah, and are you going to call it the Ricky Gates round or the Santa Fe round? I'm calling it the Trans Pecos Express. Oh, nice! Yeah. I like it. Oh, this is awesome. I'm not I'm not one to name things after myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think there was a lot of that went on in the olden days, but now people are a little bit more modest, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Well, that sounds brilliant. Um, thanks so much for chatting to us tonight, Ricky. I'm just going to keep you for another couple of seconds while I just read out some nice things um, that people have said, because there's tons of tons of people watching and tons of people saying really lo- lovely stuff. Um, they've really appreciated your time here tonight. Um, Guy says um, that you're the 50... The 50 Trails film. He says, that sounds incredible. I would love to see that film in the future. Um, Kurt Steege says, thank you so much for answering the questions. Um, Peter said, thanks for the tips with the, cra- for the, with the crazy ideas. Um, Kurt also said he did run every street in his small area, maybe six or five or six square miles, but to get all the streets in was 22 miles. So it was crazy. Cool. Yeah. Mm. Um, and Paul Hamilton says, thank you, Ricky. The simple advice is always the best. And Nigel Barnett says, thanks for your answer as well, Ricky. And um, he's seen the Run Bus Run film too. And Kurt says, thank you so much for this. It's been amazing. Hut to hut, hut run hut is on his bucket list and he hopes to do one of those with you one day. Um, and Sue says, thanks, Ricky, such an inspiration. 
So thank Wonderful. you so much. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much, Ricky. Um, it's been really, really great to chat to you tonight. Um, and I just hope everything goes super well. If um, Do you want to just let people know how they should follow you and, and what website they should look at to find out more about all the things that you offer? Yeah, I'm uh, at Ricky Gates on Instagram, R-I-C-K-E-Y-G-A-T-E-S. Uh, my website is uh, www.rickygates.com. Um, and then, of course, I've got the busrunbus.com, putrunhut.com, and everysinglestreet.com. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, uh, Squarespace makes a lot of money off of it. <laughs> so can they find that all through rickygates.com? That you linked to everything from there? Okay, yep. that's great. Cool. Okay, fantastic. Well, um, it's been great to chat to you. Thanks so much. It's lovely to see you again as well after running with you um, in the Lake District a couple of times. Um, and I hope I wish you well in eating that mountain of vegetables that you showed me before the chat that your friend's given yeah. you. <laughs> oh, here we are. Let's have a look. Oh, that was a disaster. <laughs> well, I can, we can still hear you. <laughs> okay. There we go. There's the mountain of Oh, vegetables. wow. So we've got squashes, loads of different types of squashes, butternut squashes yeah. and salads, radish, lettuce, yep. peppers. That's I'm very looks, excited to get into it. That looks tasty. Because is it, is it the morning where you are just now? Uh, it's just now midday. Midday. Okay. So you've got a nice lunch ahead of you of butternut squash and everything. Yep. <laughs> Fantastic. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Ricky, and um, I'm looking forward to your next film and book. Thanks so much, Claire. It's nice to see you again. Cool. Cheers then, Ricky. Bye. Hi, it's Claire here. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. These live chats take place every Wednesday evening at 6.30pm UK time on World Ginger Running YouTube channel. And the link is in the show notes. I just wanted to let you know that you can find this and loads more advice and inspiration and gear tests all about trail and ultra running on my YouTube channel, Wild Ginger Running. There are training tips, advice from elite athletes, top coaches, nutritious recipes, key exercises, injury prevention information, and tons of trail kit reviewed from running packs to poles, waterproofs to head torches, GPS watches, and shoes, 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 and did I mention shoes? I've been going for a few years now, so there's a huge archive of content to help you out with your trail and ultra running. To quickly and easily find the information you need, simply type your query into the Google search box and then write wild ginger running after it. Then Google will show you whatever blog posts or films I have on that topic. Give it a try. And if you appreciate listening and all the information I share on YouTube, you're also very welcome to support me on Patreon, which gets you some additional excellent perks and the chance to win some awesome prizes. For as little as the price of a cup of coffee every month, patrons get discounts, extra films, access to the exclusive Facebook and Strava groups, the chance to ask questions to every live chat guest, plus automatic entry into my monthly competition to win £400 worth of trail and ultra running gear. There are only about 150 patrons, so the odds on a win are way better than the lottery. Interested? Find me at patreon.com slash wildgingerrunning. Thanks for listening, guys. Have fun, enjoy your run, and I'll see you on the trails.